0: Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 37 with... Joseph Makos and... Joseph B.
1: This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for Poetry.
0: All right, well, so we are back at St. Claude Studios this week after a week away in another location. Uh, and we have with us returning guest, poet, and editor, and publisher, Megan Burns. Yay. Hey, Megan. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. And we're going to do another installment of Six Poets You May Not Have Heard of Before. Cool. Yeah, so I don't know how how we're gonna begin here. Who wants to begin? I'll begin. Yeah, maybe you want to start. I'll it out?
2: begin.
1: Tell us about a few I people. don't know this
2: poet, so I don't know her either. But I bought this book on small press because it looked really interesting. It's called Beast Girl and Other Origin Myths by Elizabeth Acevedo.
0: So were you just like scrolling through? SPD.
2: I think it was on one of their like best of lists. I okay. love I love a good list, yeah. or maybe yeah. it's like a top ten seller or something like that. But I love origin myth poems as well. It says she lives in Washington D.C. and she's done a lot of stuff, so you can Google her probably if you're super interested. Um, this is the first poem in the book. It's called La Seguapa for the Antilles. They say La Seguapa was born on the peak of El Pico Duarte. Balled up for centuries beneath the rocks, she sprang out red, covered in boils, dried off black, and the first thing she smelled was her burning hair. They say Atabera carried la while in frog form, held her low in the belly until squatting she laid her into soft dirt, an egg made of ocean. Millenniums later, la saguapa poked through and the blue water burst grafted onto her skin. They say La Seguapa pried apart her jaw and spit herself out, soft and malleable, but at the last second her legs scraped against fangs and inverted her footing. Her backwards-facing feet were no mistake, they say, she was never meant to be found, followed, an unseeable creature of crane legs, saltwater, crocodile scales, long beak of a parrot no music sings forth from. La Seguapa, they say, was made on one of those ships, stitched and bewitched from moans and crashing waves. She emerged entirely formed, dark and howling, stepped onto the auction block, but none would buy her. They wouldn't even look her in the eye. They say she came beneath the Spanish saddle of the first mare, rubbed together from leather and dark mane, hungry, that she has a hoof between her thighs and loves men like the pestle loves the mortar. She hums them into the cotton-thick fog of the mountains. They follow her nun word, sing song, and try to climb her tall and dark and rough as sugar cane and don't know until they've whittled down how they've scraped themselves dead. They say the men were the first to undo her name, thinking that burying it would rot her magic. That long cry they were compelled to answer, they hung all five-toed dogs because they alone knew her scent. They say there was a time her silhouette shadowed the full moon. They say, they say, they say, ta, I'm lying, no one says. Who tells her story anymore? She has no mother, las aguapa, and no children. Certainly not her people's tongues. We who have forgotten all our sacred monsters.
0: I wonder—is that like a riff? I see the book. Mm -hmm. Is that like a riff on an existing myth?
2: I didn't Google it. I didn't look it up. I like the idea. I mean, I like the. I don't usually like poems that are that narrative. So it's interesting to me reading this book because there are a lot of like really narrative poems in there yeah. that tell stories, but, but it's an origin myth book. So I guess I expected there would be stories, but I love the imagery in that poem. And then I love at the very end how it's just like, I'm going to tell you this whole story about what they say and then just kind of yeah. flips it in the end where it's like, no one says anything because we don't tell these stories anymore. Monsters. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of all the things we've forgotten in our societies. All our forgotten knowledge.
0: The sound is—I like the sound of that a lot too. I I like the stitched and bewitched of Mm -hmm. passing waves. That's nice. I think a good like, yeah,
2: yeah. My favorite is uh, she has a hoof between her thighs and loves men like the pestle loves the mortar. That's That's a beautiful image. Oh my god, that's sexy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. I love that.
0: Nice. What press is that?
2: That is from yes, yes books. okay. they actually put out a lot of great um yeah I think writing I've seen some things from them
0: before, yeah, that were
2: good. I mean, it's a little tiny book. it's only um it's only like thirty thirty six pages. Wow, it's kind of like a oh, it's a chat book I guess Do you want to
0: read one one more of hers?
2: Sure. this is called um Salt after pariah by marcos Demos circa nineteen seventy two A carton of salt had been placed on the rocky ledge separating me from the Hudson River. I climb, grab, pour a dime into my palm. Didn't know then it was left as an offering. Mommy upends the back of my hand, says, Deo eso, eso la deo una bruja. For a whole month I'm afraid to sleep. Clutch my barbie sheets, afraid my seasoned hand will float and claw at air on its own, afraid there is someone other than me in this body, mujer embrujadora. You of all things knotted and kinked, skin of every color found in plum, of storm torrents of flesh that knows the collision between cuerpo and malacan. Mommy sensed the salt inside Knew the blue dog you were painted to be Close-lipped witch I've felt your cowry shells of teeth along my wrist I've learned to chew magic like it was cassava Woke one morning carrying a red sun for a forehead You taught me that how to cross my ankles, but sharpen my daggers. How to hoist myself at the water's edge. How to pose pretty, then file my nails into stones. Twirl in circles of rum scented cigar smoke. Here, now, alone. Nice. Yeah, I like them.
0: Yeah, that's a neat little book. Cool. An elephant on the car.
2: It reminds me of um, Rudyard Kipling's. Images on some of the covers of his books. Yeah, yeah.
0: What's the name again?
2: Beast Girl and Other Origin Myths by Elizabeth Acevedo. Acevedo.
0: Nice. So I don't know. Do we want to uh, alternate? Go to another. If you if you do one now, I'll do the third one. You'll do okay. the third one, yeah. and then we'll
2: go. Well, we'll do round robin. We'll
0: do a round round, round right? robin. it. Um, I don't know which one I want to do first Maybe I will do Susan Wheeler first Um, and I don't really You know, I think I actually Did not know who Susan Wheeler was Except I Maybe had seen some of her poems here and there Uh, but I think I was just in Faulkner Books one day Just looking through And I was like, oh This looks interesting
2: I love this. I love these stories because you always think of poets reading other poets that they know, and it's like we're debunking that myth. It's it's true. We just buy books. We don't know who you are. We just want to read your poems. Bored, and you are like, "I (laughs) want something that I haven't read." So I'm going to try to just pick up a bunch of stuff that I don't know what it is. Yeah, uh, it's cool. It's good for people to know that happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I think I. So I think the the first thing I found was this. Like it's essentially a selected poems, but it's got kind of a funny assorted poems. Uh, and then later I got one of her one of her actual collections. So I guess, you know, she's kind of a more more recent poet. I think she kinda of, you know her first book was in nineteen ninety-three, Bag of Diamonds. And then this collection that I do have source codes is in two thousand from two thousand one. And she won that Four Way Books Award series. So I have a quote from Robert Hass about her. I don't know. <laughs> Robert Haas wrote, "It's as if she took an aspect of postmodernism, of John Ashbery style, back through Auden to its ancestral roots in Lewis Carroll, and let Edward Lear, and then left forward again to make new inventions out of it in the disoriented present." I don't know what that means exactly. I don't know what
2: that means too. It's a lot of men to describe a woman's writing. Jesus. <laughs>
0: Wow. Yeah, I don't exactly know what that means. But, you know, I like a lot of the things in the kind of selected book, but the Source Codes book is also really interesting. And, you know, I think I was telling Makos earlier, some of it she's trying to do some kind of more experimental things, some of which doesn't work as well, but I just still really like it when someone tries to do that stuff. So, you know, there's some kind of regular poems in it, but then she has these things where I guess she would write postcards to people and like make collages but then write snippets of poetry and things on the collages so there's that kind of running through the book and then the end of the book she does this like html poetry where it's just like html code wow um in the book which is kind of neat i mean and i just kind of like that it's this kind of ragged edges book in a way there's a lot of different things going on i don't know that it necessarily comes into comes together
2: it does not cohere but like the contest
0: of a nice (laughs) like a nice a nice raggedness in some way and i think like she kind of was trying to do some things with her poetry in that one at least it's kind of like the the collage of the postcards like having these kind of collagey things going on in the poems too
2: are you gonna read one of the html poems
0: I could try. I didn't have that one marked, we could try <laughs> that. That might be interesting. Uh, but this is one of the more traditional poems in the book. So all the poems in Source Code too are they're just numbers for the titles. So this is 12. For so many years, kazoos and spondies, hair, diffident as glass, a goose in the spot's lair, but he lays it on me like a recipe. And I'm following his each charm, the stars daubed on the back painting, every false alarm. She went round and round and round to get to here, again and again, the smirk, giggle, the hair, a shouldered swirl, a dip, a zoned-out stare. He was a free woman noodling. He was untethered and alive. I took the tree boughs and I waved them. I was on his side. She went round and round and round and then was here. Hmm. And there's this kind of collage opposite of like people in some sort of seventies living room. Two men like pulling a woman's hair up. I don't know what's exactly <laughs> going on there. Um, I don't know. Should we try it? I don't even know how you would read these HTML poems. It likes it's like just literally HTML. I'm actually. I, I mean, I wonder what would happen if you just copy pasted this into.
2: If you ran the program, that's what people ask me about basic programming because it has a program in it.
0: Because this has like a normal, it's like normal HTML header, like you know, HTML head title, outer doc, mm-hmm. close tag title. Well, it, maybe you just it links to a style sheet, style onecss I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if you if that would it would actually create a page if you
2: It might create a poem. It should be kind of amazing.
0: I thought about it, but then I don't have a digital copy of this, so it's like I don't know how it would even This is interesting. But maybe we'll read one other
2: JavaScript.
0: One other uh this is a very (laughs) She, that's the thing, though. Like you, all her poems are so different because she's trying so many things. But so this is like a whole different thing. Sonnet of alternate starts for a poem of comparison. These people are cockroaches. A couple of cockroaches. Those cockroaches kept the town on tenterhooks, like bugs. The yokels won't go away. You cockroaches, get the off and how? What are you doing here, cockroaches? What do you say? Without their creeping, I would have found a cockroach might more blameless be, you think? Oh, you know, the guy's a cockroach by the look, but he like their namesakes. They're drawn to sludge. Damn the cockroach life upon the lee. What bug shall I compare with you? You shitting me, you cockroach mouse? A nest. The big one, he's off the small. Cockroach, you're a fool off the pooba sled. Pooba sled. <laughs>
2: But this HTML poem is in the appendix. So, is it supposed to be part of the book? There's like all these interesting well, things in that, the appendix. There's also an
0: appendix in there of all these like yeah, like, poems rough, drafts that are like rough drafts and edits where it's the hand. Do they
2: refer back to poems in the actual book? No, no. They're just this appendices of which I like of I strangeness. Love. Yeah, that's really like weird. <laughs> Susan Wheeler, you are really <laughs> out there, man. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's Susan
0: Wheeler. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I think her books are interesting, and I think there's some cool stuff going I'm, on in her poem. Yeah, I'm not... Who
2: did this book? Salt? That's salt, yeah. Out of the UK? Okay.
0: right. right. Aren't they Australia?
2: Um, I think. No, I don't know. Am I wrong? Did I make that up?
0: Isn't Salt out of Australia? I think you might be right.
2: I'm not sure. Yeah. I may have made that up. I knew that... I think that... I knew that they were international. I just wasn't... Let's see. Yes, you are right. Western Australia.
1: Good job.
2: But they also have a mailing address in the United Kingdom, so oh, I wasn't yeah. totally wrong there.
0: Alright, sure. Uh, there you go. I think that might be is reason <laughs> I like, got uh, John Tranter involved with them in some
1: way. Something. I think. And I remember seeing some other people in the book on her salt. I'm trying to think who else would be on their press.
0: For a while, there are a bunch of people out of salt that are, that are American. In fact, I think uh, one of... Past guest Nathan, Nathan Hawk's books was put out by Salt. Really? Even though it was for it was through the National Poetry Series, but it was through Salt. Salt oh, was okay. the one who actually published it for some reason. I don't know why. Huh. Well. All right, us you have a poet for us? Uh, <laughs> I've got two poets. Well, we can talk about one more. Yeah, we're we're let's, doing let's let's one at a time. One. Let's start with one poet.
1: I guess... Just go this guy... That's kind of interesting. Oh, the book's upside down.
0: So you know if you hadn't known? said that, no one would have
1: known. <laughs> yeah, no one would have known. That's what happens when you're looking at concrete poetry. You know, I picked up this is a number of years ago and I've saved this issue uh, of art forums. This is from about four years ago, summer of twenty thirteen. There was a cover uh, piece that struck me, kind of interesting. That was a visual poem on the cover of Art Forum. And a concrete poem. And uh, so it kind of pulled me in. Because I'd never heard of this guy, Carl Carl Andre, who is a sculptor by trade. But uh, there's a lot of cool little pieces uh, about him. And uh, there's a lot of cool things that they've got in this this one section of art forum here. It really talks a lot about how uh, language was uh, like the typewriter as like a mode of texture and composition was like such an important part of his sculptural practice and he didn't really like separate the two because he wasn't really putting the poetry out to necessarily be poetry but it was sort of part of his like it was one of the modes of composition that he worked through and he would create these concrete visual poems with the typewriter uh and it would sort of drive his practice as a sculpture sculptor so um, I can't really read these pieces. We're gonna have to put some on the uh, the show notes. <laughs> I think you should try to read that one. You think I should try to read that one? But it's but it's art. It's words. It go. It says something like um, the on or ab the e on or ab the on or ab, <laughs> <le laughs> <le> la <laughs> lands, <laughs> Lee Lansda, Lee, Lee to, and for serve, and for serve. I mean, what else do you want me to do? You want me to keep reading it?
2: I like how there's a continuum from a narrative poem <laughs> to an experimental poem to just like a complete breakdown of language altogether.
1: Well, if you see the piece, I mean, it's just like a
0: block of text. Yeah, I like, and some of them are very. I mean, we'll post images. Some of them are very pretty.
2: It looks like a word search.
0: Yeah, it's just like, like whatever word comes like,
2: to the top is what your soul is made of, or something.
1: Yeah, like a six-decade six career, and I and, like. and they always worked his work. He always worked his um, these visual pieces in to it somehow, just to look at space on the page, sort of the destruction of the page, recreation of the page in a new way. Um, Some of it seems to be more visual, and some of it seems to be more contextual. This one's called The Triumphal Entry of Christ into Jerusalem. Uh, And it's just sort of like a repetitious, again, um, of all these different characters uh, from the Bible, but in this sort of like map of sorts. Pretty cool. Yeah, there's I a few. like that.
0: That's kind
1: of cool. Yeah, he sort of just like drops this uh, sort of little.
0: Gazethli Egon Sakthusr. It's <laughs> horp. Trace. Who knows what he was doing? Like this one's using red, red and
1: red and black yeah, that's lettering uh, for sort of a visual score. I like um, those too. That's neat. This one quote that they say about him in the piece that I thought was cool, it says uh let me read this uh, last paragraph here in this Andre himself has remained resolutely ambiguous about the relationship between these two strands of his practical while drawing parallels between their process of production, graphically stating that he used the typewriter as a machine or lathe or saw to apply letters on the page. It's kinda of like the idea of using the typewriter as just, like, another thing in the workshop.
0: Another, yeah.
1: Another, you know, another tool in the workshop, and you just, like, drop a piece of paper into it, just like you would drop a piece of saw into a piece of uh, piece of wood into a lathe or a piece of wood into a saw, and you just kind of carve at it and, ty- and, and work at it. I kind of like that idea. It's pretty inspirational.
0: Well, it's pretty neat, too, because it's kind of... The fact that he is a sculptor... Although I think all visual poetry kind of does that to some extent. I mean, just kind of this more dealing with the idea of words as a material is nice. And and letters as a material, not even words, right? And I don't know, which I think gets lost sometimes. I, you know, it's like a constant fight to try to convince people that language is not about communication. But it's really not. I mean, that's part of what it's doing. But that's a pretty limiting way of thinking about language, right? You know,
1: totally. Well, they're using it's cool too. This one, he's using graph paper and drawing this sort of uh, uh, visual. Score. No, I like that one. City On ostriches. Gra- yeah, city ostriches' forehead. A C returning ostriches' forehead. Northern bow Anteres armpit. Middle bow claw armpit. Point bow claw Sagittarius. Eek era, southern bow, Scorpio, Creek, era, tail sting, bow, Scorpio, tail sting, sting, Sakum Creek, era, staff sting, Pine Island, staff sting, Pine Island, trailing sting, Black's Creek, Triangulum, Black's Creek, Triangulu, Quincy Cat, Triangue Town, Quincy, Reach Island, Pound, Quincy Hole Pound, River Hole. Mm. I like that one. <laughs> that, that one's really cool. That it's, one's it's, it's, just it's like, really know, neat visually. Really opinion. weird angle. It's pretty. Yeah, but It's just using graph paper, you know, which is really, yeah, which that's a to good me, idea. Yeah, which to like, me yeah. is like a like a the 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 fact that they show the one in graph paper. It 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 makes me understand. Now this one's not that great, but it makes me understand. Um, some of the ones he's doing some, with the some of the other ones he's doing yeah. with the typewriter, yeah. And, uh, but I
0: also I I don't know that I've seen someone use graph paper to create visual poetry in that way. I mean, it seems obvious, but I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that.
1: There's like acrostics, cage acrostics. Uh, yeah, you know the yeah. ones where he just yeah. puts the name of the person down the middle and yeah. writes stuff.
0: But that's not really using those it in poems. The, yeah. No, not in quite. A like shape that. Creating way like that. No. Well, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I don't know we should we
1: should do some more investigation. Um Yeah, we should look into that. One. Well, but apparently he was he was sort of rubbing elbows with these folks and you know, it's like it it sort of talks about how because he was using it in a sculptural way, it was it was really kind of on the edge of or the beginning rubbing of modern with which folks. Uh, I'm going to get to it in a second. I was going to sort of explain I'm going to by explain They sort of say that he uses Language in the world of sculptor like sort of evoking some of these modernists or like the edge of the early modernists, high modernism into the into the postmodernism era. So they were saying that his work kind of evokes in a certain way Stein, Pound, Olsen, and Howe. I could totally see that, actually. Uh, especially Olsen and Howe, because Olsen was very into projective verse. So this stuff has very Interesting, projective verse-like qualities to it, and Stein too. I can yeah, see I can with see tender that. buttons uh, yeah, are coming right. through with some of the stuff. Um, I guess I can read this one. This is a, this is a poem. Nineteen. It says 1859, but I think he meant 1958. <laughs> I think that's a joke. Or the po- the poem's titled that. Um, White men crimson cross on the settled by territory. Very large, black, coal black, and his hair is no rights, which magnify the happiness blue apostrophe closing fields of the red nose fun pinched the white and blacks hues which mock so blue lips the golden hair a lock of thy in a braid black mat hag she turned from washington under Lute, lieutenant israel green a dragon green marines in the armory brown is dyed his rose wreathed tribe beneath arched the rainbow of the provincial government of the army in chief brown commander old Asawatomi by the blue ridge Been dammed up the gap Through which closing fields Arranged and colored red With rage, whites And blacks, colors The scene, the Richmond greys seem to be black
0: Mm -hmm. Carl Andre
1: I like that it's like A thing coming in from a different world You know, a thing coming in from a different place uh, In language um, Through sculpture um, I don't know. This one's I want to read this last one, and then I think that's a dirge on Montezuma. Slowly, Mexico sides before day parts nothing enough. This cease city Montezuma grief him him come him words lies terms said war alive die him people war Mexico darts arrows them him him Lord us Lord me Giquitacac. Ixtapalapala. Through dead power, desired before them, duty, stones, head, leg, foot, it not, it dead him, soldiers him, father at was Mexico, person subjugated dead, Christian wounds him, Lord Githulak, captains dead die him, it was us, king, sons Mexico, so dead city, dead chieftains, prisoners, shoulders, captains dead, death. True stones, dead him. this ceased fury, us lord, idols, king, Montezuma, burial, stones, arrows, places.
2: But didn't he say wasn't writing poetry?
1: <laughs> but it was informing his sculptural work.
2: But he doesn't think it's poetry.
1: Uh, he's sort of using it in a way, it is poetry, but it's, it's, he's using it in more of a way of like a...
2: Why is it poetry? If he says it's not poetry, you just get to come along and say it is?
1: No, I, I mean, I don't, th- I, I think he's, <laughs> I think he's pretty just wondering. making poems. <laughs>
2: if it's someone cool, clearly so. says I made something and it's not this.
1: But it, it, this is, this will explain it to you maybe. Okay. Although Carl Andre is best known for laconic things, obdurate sculptures made of metal bricks laid flat on the floor in symmetrical configurations, he is so made an art of words. Indeed, Andre is a prolific poet. His poems have played plays, have always played a crucial part in his work. Their brilliant investigations of text and patterns making their way into exhibitions, extremely rare editions and citations. Yet the poems were made largely unseen and unspoken.
2: Hmm. And what's his sculptures? What did you say? He makes big bricks that he lays around on the floor? <laughs> that sounds like some bullshit to me. <laughs> huh? Do they show any of
0: his, <laughs> Do they show any of his mm, bricks nothing. that
2: he lays on the floor that he makes? No. Just his non poems.
1: This is like some this is like supposedly like the sacrificial process of his of his sculptural work.
2: Hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna. The emperor has no clothes.
0: It's all you know. I like the ones where there's less words.
2: I like the poems like with the less like, words.
0: Yeah, I, mean, of those, I mean, honestly, been looking through those, like, I think the ones that are more visual are are, are more interesting. But I don't know.
1: Well, it's 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 it's. Inno- I guess it's you know it's innovative or maybe from the art world's perspective it's innovative and that's and that's that's where it comes from so using i mean i find that this happens sometimes when i see a show or an exhibition that uses language in a way that's more like in a poetic way mm-hmm. but they're doing it from the art world and not from the poetry world it it takes on more gravitas almost sometimes because like they do something like really simple that like you know but they're using language in a new way and they're coming to it from a new way and i'm I'm saying like they give it more gravitas although if you're like a deep studier of concrete poetry it's like a pretty basic thing yeah
2: i just think it's interesting the idea of like i did this thing and it looks like a poem but i'm not a poet and i'm gonna say it's not a poem and i'm gonna hang it on the wall and call it a piece of art and it's definitely not a poem
0: well, yeah, except I don't think it... It doesn't sound like from that that he was hanging them on the wall. Yeah. It seems like he was somehow using those to plan his sculptures. Yeah.
2: He was using the poem, the non-poems to plan the bricks that he made on the floor.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was but a then, sacrificial piece of the... But poem. then artform decided to publish them later on for some reason. Interesting. Yeah. And make him the cover. His poem yeah, the make cover. his poem
1: on the cover. I don't know. His
2: detritus... Became oh. what got his Carl attention. Carl Andre's poems. Interesting. Very hmm. interesting.
1: Something you didn't know.
2: I know. Now we know.
1: That's true. That's not something I heard of. Okay, who's another poet? We're going <laughs> to circle back through.
2: We're going to circle back through. So the other po- poetry book I bought is Land with Sex, Landscape with Sex and Violence. It has a fold out cover. That's why I didn't read it correctly the first time. <laughs> Landscape with Sex and Violence. Very poems awesome. by Lynn. Melnick and this is put out by Yes Yes Books too. It's like a Yes Yes Books (laughs) collection I brought. This is called Landscape with Smut and Pavement At night I hallucinate the grunting discord which leapt from a human body as he destroyed mine That very month I obliterated a beetle on a shiny walkway That month was November I think they are all out to get me All the insects in their armor Some folks like to use the word slut even with children. I'm holding all my blood in vials on my lap. The splatter is delicate. I guess I am bleeding all over the scenery. I was born in November, but you want to hear about the clean stretch of pavement where a beetle once lived or the surrounding archways that were the kind of architecture that bodies who have been treated gently like to enjoy. The kempt lawn was always kempt. I was disparaged on that terrain. I was smut, the rest was burnished. Hmm. Pretty, huh? Pretty terrifying. It's weird. Both of these are kind of more narrative than I normally read. Um, yeah, I guess that sort of, Bay a, oh, that's kind of has a
0: narrative
2: to it. I it guess. does. I mean, I think it does. I think it has a narrative. and I And I normally don't read as narrative as these two books are. But I do like the imagery in these books. The Beatles. Yeah, I haven't finished this one. So so most of the titles of this are landscape with something. They're all landscape poems. This is landscape with wonder and blowback. If I'm not a trinket, I blend into concrete. So I rip my denim and bring enough must to the car lot to call it a cat house. The men are busy. I stand quiet until they are busy about me. The bleak sun brightens on cement, sliding into a feed ramp, no trigger guard, and you know how chatter happens quickly among the the gathering crowd? Dude, not a cloud in the sky. Onlookers wonder how hard I fuck on gravel. Hard. I am the notched, cocking handle of any of your guns. No one can safely touch me. Everybody in my memory is young now. Everybody in my memory is old, though. That's the blowback where my loose heart will fire.
0: Oh, I like that one. I like that one more than the first one. Yeah, Yeah, that one's
2: pretty intense. You want me to read another one? Yeah. (laughs) I think this is the first poem in the book. This is the first poem in the book. It's called Landscape with Stucco and Dandelion. 20th century libertines peer from frosted glass because they want to learn how I triumph. So I am going to confess this once, and then I'm going to confess it again. In different ways, I won't admit to, but never mind. This won't be the last time I let the riffraff envenom my body while they pretend to be heroic. This won't be the first time I faint against a building where the weeds escape the cracks into some kind of suffocating, mangled abandon. Slumped against the sunlit stucco, I failed to keep my wits about me in a choke of triggers. I downed this dandelion poison because the promise pitches a floral danger I could live inside. I didn't emerge well trained into this savage vista because all the houseplants were succulent, and while anyone could witness rot writ all over my blighted arrangement, no one stepped in. <laughs> It's a hard line. While anyone could witness rot writ over my blighted arrangement. Rot writ. Rot writ. That's good. I don't know. They're pretty. They're written in like one or like two line couplets. So is this another
0: just like happenstance?
2: book. I I don't know. I'm a sucker for list on SPD. I'm just like, what should I read? Okay. What's everybody else reading? Yes. Yes. Here. Yes. That's yes. It's putting out it's a lot of good books. Yeah. That's
0: an interesting looking book, too. It looks. Yeah, like it's, it's pretty totally different. And it has know. it not
2: only does it have the fold out cover and then it has like the writing inside the actual cover itself. It has a piece of the poem and the blurb on the inside.
1: French folds,
2: which I like. French folds, yeah, glossy cover. Very this this is yes, 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 yes books again. too. Yeah. Very different from this I don't one, know though.
1: How yes, yes gets these books make, made?
0: Yeah. Let's
2: let's ask them.
0: I mean, that's pretty cool. I like I, I, I like, like that a lot. One. Yeah. I even like works, the glossy yeah. cover. Well, and, a, it, and it's got the nice like texture. hmm Texture printed inside of the background.
2: Yeah. I mean, this book has a texture to it. The um. The Beast Girl book has a t- It's not a, just a flat matte oh, cover yeah. Even It that's has a an texture to it
0: cover. I don't like it as much But it's still yeah. That It feels stock, nice it's, it's Very nice stock yeah. These
2: Very nice books
0: And the paper is actually Kind of interesting in both of these
1: How do they make these? Yeah, I wonder who
0: they print through here we're based in Portland.
2: Yes, yes, books from Portland. Could says, you please uh, contact us and says, let us know how Michael you print your things?
0: Blue Note edition on the back of this.
1: I know. I noticed I mean, that. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to have the yes, yes books on for an episode. You
0: should talk to them. Uh, talk yes, to them. yes, yes books. Why don't you come get a table at Morale Poetry Fest?
2: Yeah.
1: Neato. Yeah, I like. I like their. I like their. I like this.
2: Very pretty.
1: Yeah, it's a little something.
0: A little something bonus. I know. You know,
2: a little bonus. I'm a sucker for a pretty poetry book.
0: So I'm going to go back in time a little bit for this <laughs> book. <Back> in time. <laughs> so this is another book I found on accident, but I found it browsing the shelves of Bookstar. Whoa! And when Bookstar used to be in Jackson Brewery,
2: I remember. Browsing the shelves at Bookstar. Which was usually... Bookstar. Back in the day.
0: Usually not a very profitable endeavor for the poetry section.
2: Mm-mm. It was uh, like a Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Precursor of like, Balls & Noble. Yeah. In the, in the days of Walden books. Do you remember Walden books too? Yeah, That was a yeah. thing.
0: It was, yeah, it was kind of like all that thing. So normally the poetry section was pretty uninspiring. But I, so I was going through just really trying to find anything. And I saw this name, and I was like, hmm, why does that name sound familiar? Why does that name sound familiar? I have to confess, I was pretty obsessed with the band Pavement throughout college. (laughs) I probably have seen them play more than any other band I've ever seen play. Really? Uh, Yeah, so I listened to my fair share of the Silver Jews, and then I was like, oh, David Berman, that's the lead singer of the Silver Jews. And I was like, I didn't know he wrote poetry. So I was like, well, I don't know. This is probably not going to be very good. <laughs> let me get it. <laughs> but Sold! The back, and there is a blurb from James Tate. So I was like, all right, well, let me, like, per- peruse through. And I was like, well, this doesn't seem too bad. Let me just buy it and see. Uh, and I ended up really kind of liking this book, Actual Air. Um, And it was also put up by Open City, which I think this was like right when Open City was starting. And I think at that time, I was really kind of excited about them as a press. I thought they were kind of doing some interesting things as far as trying to bring poetry to people who wouldn't necessarily be interested in poetry. Um, Are they still around? I think they're still around, but they sort of have floundered to some extent, in my opinion. They used to have a magazine that was kind of good, and it just got really bad. And I don't think that magazine exists anymore. I could be wrong. What was it called? Uh, what was it called? I think it was called Open City. Oh, huh. um, but they were kind of doing some interesting stuff for a while. But yeah, so uh, you know, David Berman. The reason I knew him was you know he was in the Silver Jews, which which Steve Malkmus was in. That was as well. Um, but in the Silver Jews, Berman wrote the lyrics. It was, it, unlike in Pavement, um, and it was kind of strange because as Pavement got more popular, people started thinking of Silver Jews as a as a Pavement side band. But it actually pre-existed Pavement. It was yeah, that's a whole other uh, other kind of things. But then what I also didn't know was so I think I I found that book the summer before I started at UMass in the MFA program. And I was in my first poetry workshop, and Jim was like, All right, everyone, would, what did you read? What poetry did you read over the summer? And everyone went through and said the stuff they were reading. And I was like, Well, I was like, You know, and this is not really, I don't really know what this is, but I just, uh, I forgot he had a blurb on the back. I think I didn't even, that didn't cross my mind. And I was like, Well, you know, I, I like this band, The Silver Jews, and I found this book by him. And, and Jim was just like, Ah, he was like, yeah, he's like, that's a good book. He's like, but he needs to stop making music, that motherfucker. He needs to write more poetry and stop, stop with the, stop with the rock bullshit. Like, that's just a waste of his time. He needs to be writing more poetry. That's what he got famous for. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. So, I was like, okay, you know. Um, but, I mean, it, it's interesting to me, too, as far as, like, his poetry, because, I think his lyrics to his songs are actually much more experimental than his poems are. Uh, But his poems kind of have this nice kind of straightforward appeal to them while still having this kind of pretty lyricalness to them. So I don't know. Let's read a couple of his poems here. Classic Water. I remember Kitty saying we shared a deep longing for the consolation prize laughing as we rinsed the stagecoach. I remember the night we camped out and I heard her whisper, think of me as a place, from her sleeping bag with the centaur print. I remember being in her father's basement workshop when we picked up an unknown man sobbing over the shortwave radio. And the night we got so high we convinced ourselves that the road was a hologram projected by the headlight beam. (laughs) I remember how she'd always get everyone to vote on what we should do next, and the time she said, All water is classic water. And shyly turned her face away. At volleyball games, her parents sat in the bleachers like ambassadors from Indiana and all their Midwestern schmaltz. She was destroyed when they were busted for operating a private judicial system within U.S. borders. Sometimes I'm awakened in the middle of the night by the clatter of a room service cart and I think back on Kitty. Those summer evenings by the government lake talking about the paradox of multiple Santas or how it felt to have your heart broken. I still get a hollow feeling on Labor Day when the summer ends. And I remember how I'd always refer to her boyfriends as What's-His-Face, which was wrong of me. And I'd like to apologize to those guys right now wherever they are. No one deserves to be called What's-His-Face. He's <laughs> funny. Funny poems are hard. Yeah, he has a nice little humor in them. They're good.
2: It's kind of like Joe brainerd esque, and then it goes off on its own little.
0: Yeah, but then they then he also tends to go on these little weird, kind of uh, goofy sci fi sort of things. At the same time. But it's kind of nice, you know. All right, one more, one more. Oh, this one's more of a concepty one, but I thought it was funny. A letter from Isaac Asimov to his wife, Janet, written on his deathbed. (laughs) One night, studying an egg tray in my kitchen, that first novel fell together in my mind. Apes blowing blood into the air, the robot nymphs dipping their slender metal legs into an ammonia brook. I began those flights from Earth in plywood space capsules, fleeing to a place Satan couldn't find. That was my hope, getting away from the chain letters, fever, rats, and unemployment, away from the dark uncles that strayed over the globe, cutting brake lines and loosening screws. And as a Jew, I asked myself, what good are hidden things? And as a Jew, I admonished myself for asking. I knew that the best things were hidden, and all of this was said in a private voice, a cousin to the one I used to speak to pets. I'm writing this under the illumination of an old American stereo. For once, I don't want to know the weather forecast. In fact, I can't bear to hear it. The jealousy would kill me before midnight. Perhaps they'll make jokes at Doubleday tomorrow. I can imagine an intern asking, What were his last 10,000 words? I want to know, too. From my sickbed, I've seen cellophane rams shimmering in the yard and cardinals that look like quartz of blood balanced in the branches. The doctor calls them apparitions. Perhaps my last words will be random. I'm so drowsy here, listening to the wild dursage of a housefly, thinking about the loyal robots in my paperbacks, thinking about the little chalet I would have built for you on Neptune, a Neptune indiscernible from Vermont.
2: Aww. A love poem.
0: A <laughs> <laughs> love poem in the character of Isaac <laughs> I don't know. I really like that book. It's a great book. I definitely recommend checking it out. And, well, a strange coda, because I was wondering, I was like, what happened to David Berman? Because I haven't heard of him either musically or poetry wise in a very long time. So apparently, uh, he stopped. Silver Juice stopped. He said, We're, "We, I just want to stop. I don't want to keep doing this forever, and I kind of want to end before we start making bad music, which was a wise enough choice." But then this really weird thing happened. Apparently, oh well, he was he was doing this um, this blog for a while, which was kind of cool, Menthol Mountains, where he would sometimes post poems and just sometimes post other weird things. But that ended in 2015. But then recent, not too recently, I guess, but kind of recently, now I don't have on here when it happened, he revealed that he's the son of this really big lobbyist named Richard Berman, and that they've been estranged for a long time because his father, like, was a lobbyist for, for, like, the gun lobby and for, like, union busting things, and he really hated his dad because of this. And they were estranged for a long time, but he revealed that that was his dad, which he'd never, never let anyone know before. And he, uh, he had like made this kind of ultimatum, like stop doing this lobbying work or I won't have a relationship with you anymore. (laughs) And his dad refused. And, um, they, they didn't speak for a long time. Uh, and he, in this post, he called his father evil, a human molester, a scoundrel, and a world-historical motherfucking son of a bitch. And said, I'm a son of a demon. Come to make good the damage. <laughs> so, I don't know what was going on. So this crazy thing happened. But then, like, in 2010, he revealed that he had somehow, like, begun talking with his father, and he was Writing a book about his father, and that HBO had expressed interest in turning the book into a television series.
1: And It never happened.
0: Yeah, and then it never happened. Oh, oh no, because Berman cut cut it with HBO because he said HBO wanted to glamorize his father's life, and that was the opposite of what he he wanted to do. Because he didn't like what his father. Well, of course they
1: would, because it's HBO.
0: Um, (laughs) And and so and then I don't know, and then nothing. But then he. Published this weird book too of like these like kind of comical drawings with little captions, and then I don't know what else has happened to him. I wish you would write another book of poetry, David yeah. Berman. There's no David way you're Berman. Hear Maybe this, you can but. come
2: on the podcast.
0: <laughs> but I'd like you to write another book of poetry.
1: How about he just calls it air <laughs> <laughs>
0: instead of actual air?
1: <laughs> okay, synthetic air. Synthetic air. All right, well, I have the last poet to close it out, and uh, it's a poet that I don't think a lot of people know about, um, <laughs> but it's a poet from the 1930s, and his name is Robert Claremont. Anyone ever know, anybody, anybody know Robert Claremont? Nope. I said Claremont to begin with, but it's Claremont.
0: So, apparently... I could... Uh, you mean the millionaire playboy? <laughs> the very one. <laughs> How did you know, <laughs> you know?
1: How did you know about the Millionaire Playboy, the Tom Boggs novel? Oh, I don't know.
0: It's somewhere in the back of the head. Okay.
1: Well, there's a novel. Okay, it's a it's a novel about Greenwich Village in the in the 40s and 50s, or I'm sorry, in the 30s. And um, it's it's called Millionaire Playboy, and it's it's Tom Boggs. Okay, and he writes this this fictitious novel. About this uh, poet named Robert Claremont. Uh, Claremont, sorry. And Wait, but
0: Roger Claremont is a real person, but this yeah. is a fictionalized. So yeah, so in
1: 1933, yeah. uh, uh, Tom Boggs writes a, writes a book called "Millionaire Playboy: A Delirious and True Extravaganza of Inheriting a Fortune and Squandering It."
0: Oh, here's our story of the rich person. Yeah, (laughs) And, uh, it's,
1: it's, uh, it's a fictitious account of this poet. Um, uh, well, this, this, here's the funny part. Robert Claremont is actually a poet, but he, but Tom Boggs writes this fictitious story about Claremont to kind of like make this like persona about him, but it's just totally not true. But that part's made up. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that part made up. And it's this, it's this, it's a super rare book um all about him inheriting this windfall from a relative and gets all this money and basically just goes off and just blows all this money just being like this poet you know just like just <laughs> like a of money poetry <laughs> rock star <laughs> going around being famous spending tons of money you know, um it's this fiction book. You can't really find a copy of this book around. That's honestly. why
0: Julian stole it from the library.
1: Yeah, and I hope Julian doesn't listen to this because <laughs> he doesn't know that he knows that I have this book. Um I somehow ended up with this book, I borrowed it, and then I forgot about it. Um uh and then he moved away to Hawaii and I still have his book. And you have um, But it involves Maxwell Bodenheim and it yeah, involves yeah, all yeah. these players from the twenties, all these, these um these like these, these villagers down in New York, there's this bohemian scene, and this guy Claremont is just blowing all this money on everything. And
0: But you found some poems from this Claremont Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, Let's yeah, hear totally. one. Let's hear one.
1: Okay. All right. You can edit out the silence.
0: While you're finding this, I also like that you've heated the University of Missouri-Columbia's plea that you not remove the slip of paper from the front of the book. Well, because this is from their
1: special collections. <laughs> and if you actually open up the book in the front cover, you see that it says, For Albert something, signed by Tom Boggs. Oh, wow, it's signed by... Wait, but they...
0: <laughs> what is wrong with this library? It's signed by the author, but they put, like, stickers on top of the goddamn you signature? You should definitely put that on the page. <laughs> <laughs> I see pictures of that and put it on the... Right <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> what? Who did that? Well, well let's these... just place this right on top of the signed... Yeah, especially
1: <laughs> especially, cause, especially because there's even clippings of Tom Boggs' life inside the book. Isn't that well, cool? Well,
0: that's cool. But
1: yeah. why would you. And look, it's got the original. The old uh, <laughs> punch card. Yeah. Hand drawn book card from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Uh, All right, so
0: let's hear uh, hear a poem by this
1: Claremont. Yeah, so uh, there's quite a bit actually uh, online, and there's this famous there's this famous um, photograph. Uh, I, I, I I swear to God, I feel like I've seen this photograph before, but uh, it's the there's a there's a, there's, a, there's a copy of the photograph. They, they must have the original or the negative, um, black and white film negative. It says in the Library of Congress, and the title of the uh, the title of the the article is or the title of the, the piece is. Redline job feeds poet who scammed eight hundred thousand. It's just like a picture of him. Like, <laughs> like
0: ah. I'm very confused. So somehow he scammed someone out of eight hundred thousand dollars, but he's still
1: getting fed at a breadline. Well, I mean, he lost all the money. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And I, I found phone. I found an article about him in the uh, in the uh, in some sort of jazz page for poets, uh, jazz magazine that says. This is uh, Robert Claremont, who is conducting Thursday night poetry groups at his studio at 603 6th Avenue in New York with readers at the moment at readers at, uh, at one recent at home, including Oscar Williams and Melville Kane and Lieberman and Locus and Brian Borgs. <laughs>
2: We had a writing workshop. okay? <laughs> I guess Got all the it. poets that we've never heard
1: of. <laughs> yeah. we could do. We could look up some of those other poets too. For some. Poets. All right, let's hear one of his poems. Let's hear one of his poems. All right. let me get it. So this is one that uh, has been used for teachers, uh, for kids. But this is this is a funny one. But I'm, this is just a funny one, and I'm going to read another one that's a really good one, or at least decent. Uh, when did the world begin and how? Sorry, this is the answer. This is the poem called "The Answers." When did the world begin and how? I asked a lamb, a goat, a cow. What's it all about and why? I asked a hog as he passed by. How will the whole thing end and when? I asked a duck, a goose, a hen. And I copied all the answers to a quack, a honk, an oink, a moo. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right.
2: That's a really good kid's poem, though.
0: I don't know. I don't, don't know think about so? that. But My kids would love that. I feel like, you know, that might be a poem that makes kids stupider. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Come on. You could teach them onomatopoeia. <laughs> <automatically.
0: laughs> <laughs> <laughs> I think any kid who found that amusing already <laughs> understands Automatopoeia <laughs> Okay, but it's a kid's poem. We'll say maybe this one will be better. Um, maybe aged not.
1: millionaire dies; his body crashes car. Uh, or uh, and I will be a blackness on a little square of gold. Which which poem should we read? <laughs> I want
0: to hear. I will be. Yeah. A, a blackness on a, a little blackness. star of gold. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Beautiful long blonde haired legend. Oh my god! Is this guy fake? Um, and I will be blackness on a little square of gold by robert claremont in an evening a sun will be gold sorry i'm gonna start again edit that out and i will be blackness on a little square of gold by robert claremont in an evening a sun will be a golden ball floating low over harbor and a light of sun will come in my window and make a square of golden color on a wall and i will stand in the sun and I will be blackness on a little square of gold. And I will look and I will say, How nice! And I will look from my window and I will see great buildings standing proud and high across a water. And I will see many windows and many sides of gold. And I will say, How nice! And then the sun will sink and far, far away on high. And I will see the tops of Melancholy Mountains dim and burning gold. And I will look again. And I will say again. Nice.
0: <laughs> you know, he almost... I was like, okay, that's not a bad image for a second until he started with the how nice bullshit. <laughs> um, I think that's maybe the first occurrence on Six Poets you may not have heard of where we have one poet that you probably should not have heard of. Tall buildings and four o'clock streets. Ocean Is the
2: poetry out. that he writes in the book that's fictionalized about him better than his real poetry? No, po- no Oh, poems. it doesn't have any of his poems
1: in the fictional account I'm, of his I'm life? I'm now
0: suspecting that maybe he made up the whole guy and wrote these fake poems as well. I and hope then he had so. to come
1: after. He was like, oh <laughs> shit, I'm a, I'm a poet and now. I gotta write a poem.
0: I hope I hope that's the case at least because those were terrible.
1: <laughs> uh, let's see. One more. <laughs> <laughs> can try. Tall buildings and four o'clock streets. Tonight my mood calls for tall buildings and four o'clock streets. Give me rows of window dead and night with a moon shining in them. Give me deserted walls and crumpled newspapers lying still on them. Give me the reflections of electric lamps and four o'clock rain. Tonight my moose calls for tall buildings and four o'clock streets. Give me a river, black and shining, and a liner somewhere near.
0: Well, not as bad as the last one, but still pretty bad.
1: <laughs> Great. <laughs>
0: Okay, so that's been six poets you
1: haven't heard of as we're approaching our one-hour mark on the podcast, No Good Poetry podcast.
0: Well, that was five poets that you should probably check out. And then there's one more? (laughs) Um, And then there's one more. No, that's it. That was six. That was, uh, but it's probably best relegated to the dustbin of history. (laughs) But... Yay! Um, and Megan, thank you for joining us. Thank
2: you for having me. I learned so much. Uh some of which I'll forget.
0: And this has been another episode of Good Poetry mm-hmm. Um yeah. Yeah. I think that's This has been another episode, episode of no, good, of no poetry. good Poetry Uh anything else we need to say? Close this up before, before my computer review. dies. Give us a review on iTunes hmm. Come to New Orleans Poetry Fest
2: Come in to New Orleans April. Poetry Fest. Yay!
0: Well, you can't say say. that my soul has died.